Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 42, we talk about some recent plays, reach into Richie's mailbag and answer some questions, and then review the new hotness in Crystal Palace. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. So, no, I want to start off, Richie, we're not going to discuss the death spiral that I went through. Oh, no, yeah. No, 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 no. This sounds like it would be better than my Venus one, maybe. Oh, oh it, it was. was much worse was than much your Venus oh, one. So much, happy. much worse. No, what was this for? Uh, so last Thursday, all of a sudden, Jessica got sick, and because normally we hang out on uh, Thursday night if we're not recording. Mm-hmm. And so... I found myself free at like eight o'clock at night, and I know that Clef is a degenerate uh, gamer. So yes, I am. I shot him a text to see if he was free to play a game, and he quickly responded yes. So <laughs> wow! <laughs> and we got in a, a play of Predator. Woo! And and I talked about this I think last episode, but in that game you can take well, you don't really want to take loans, but there if you can't pay your upkeep, you have to take a loan, and they only give you three loan cards. Mm-hmm. Because it even says in the rules, in the rare case that you have to take a second loan to pay off the other loan. You, you might as well quit. Yeah, you might as well just be done. And, of course, that happened to uh, to Clef. Uh, I think more than once. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I tried the sleep through the rules teach and then try to play the game. That didn't work this time. I don't, no, not I at don't all. believe it. He was awake the whole time. Um, no, I, missed, <laughs> no, he, I well, missed a pretty major rule. He was yawning quite yeah, a bit. And then and, it, it, and Mason, his son, told him several times that rule. He's like, because he, he was yeah. watching him and he was, because you're supposed to be collecting, like set collecting the designs that you're putting out. And Mason kept being like, you know, uh, dad, you need to get the same color. And he, he just kind of waved off. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. I don't want to hear it out of you. I thought it was you had to collect the same style, not the same color. And so when I went to try to put up the same style, different colors, they both looked at me like, uh, no. And that just totally <laughs> that, derailed everything. That sounds um, like my play of Yellow and Yangtze, like, boom. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I literally at one point, I, it was like round three or four, uh, Mason had, I don't know, two, $300 sitting in front of him. Richie had at least maybe $150, $200. I had $3 in a loan sitting in front of yeah. me. <laughs> oh, man. It was, yeah, it was. It was bad. You never, that, I mean, you started recovered towards like the last show, but it was pretty, you, I mean, bit, you were done yeah. like very early in the yeah, game. Yeah, it was. Did that it guy was from like pretty. Project One Way come in and just be like, I'm sorry, you have to go home. Yeah, I was, I was pretty much, <laughs> I'd have been the first one off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that sounds rough. Yeah. So, Chad, what have you been up to? You know, I don't think we've talked about it since, but we did the uh, the the extra life thing at the game shop, which yes, was great. Yeah, that was a good time. I met great. a lot of uh, a lot of different people there and played a lot of a lot of fun games. I got to teach some new people at Empires of the North game, which was great. Got got some more plays of that. I actually played Obscurio, which was kind of like a take on Mysterium, and in this version, you could be the traitor. Uh, or they wanted to play with the trader, and I got to be the trader. But it was one of those things where I was kind of trying to manage things around the game shop and like talk to a couple different people at once. And it was one of those things where he had just ended the rules teach, and I was like, uh, "Okay, I think I got it. Yeah, sure, I got it." And then I was just like, "Whatever, just please don't let me be the trader." And of course, <laughs> of course, that, you are. that's what I drew. <laughs> so I, 
I was I was just trying to I was trying to play like uh, like I didn't get the game and it was pretty much true. But I I won the game, so there you go. Oh, oh nice. It, it, nice. It was it was an interesting take. I still think on those games that I probably would pick. I think Deception, Murder in Hong Kong does that kind of a game the best. Is my feeling. But so, what were all the games that you got to play that day? List list off what you got to play. I got to play Millennium Blades. I was okay. really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I got to play Skull King a couple of times. You know, that's always sure, good. Sure. I played Medium with a bunch of buddies. You know, the the one where you're trying to name stuff in between. That yeah. is Jessica's new favorite game right uh-huh. now. I've had to play uh-huh. it about 10 times. See? I, I, wow. <laughs> okay. It's a good game. It's fun. It's fun for Yeah, no, it's is. enjoyable. Um, I played... Clue the Great Museum Caper, thanks to Richard. Richard brought that out, and uh, we won in like two moves. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he goes, uh, dang it. <laughs> so that was good. I didn't play, but taught uh, a bunch of Marvel champions. I'm lo- I, Honestly, I'm loving that game lately. I just, I've played it for solo play. Clef, I don't think you'd like it, but Richie, I, I do think you would, you would enjoy it. All right, all right. I'll um, check it out. It's a great first for solo when I'm just I just need a puzzle to kind of quiet my head before bedtime it, it, it's like a 20-30 minute play and it's great and I'm really enjoying it I've probably I played it 12 times since I've gotten it wow that's awesome yeah so uh and then I had some work friends come by and that was kind of what I said I said you guys are going to come by I'm going to teach you some games you're going to you're going to donate and uh we're going to have a good time and they yeah. all did they had a great time and they played betrayal at, at house on the hill and you know I haven't played that in a while and it's kind of a crazy game but they enjoyed it, and now once a month, every Friday, we're going to be playing Betrayal Legacy starting to, starting this week. Very nice, nice. very Exciting. nice. Yeah, so I had a great time. I mean, I know you guys got some good heavy games in too. What what? Give us a rundown. Well, I had a nice day. I had started off with a little Grand Austria Hotel, and then I went in and did a little Age of Steam. Uh, then I went in and played Trajan. Ooh, good one. Then I uh, taught. Um, to a couple of new people that I met, uh, taught them along with a couple other people, Crystal Palace. Mm, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Probably, soon. yep. And then at about, oh, I don't know, 11 o'clock, maybe midnight? I don't it know. was like 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, yeah. okay. I'm thinking, okay, I'll play some pretty heavy games. I probably could, should, you know, calm down. And then our friend Michelle said, hey, let's play Arkwright. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished the night off with Arkwright. Actually, I text Richie at about 11 because he was at a wedding. I'm like, spot open for Arkwright. Yep. And I was I was driving home. I had just pulled into my neighborhood and I got that text that said, spot open for Arkwright. I said, I'll be there in eight minutes. And yeah. I think I got there in five. You did. You did. <laughs> so uh, Seriously, I think in the text I heard the screeching of the tires and <laughs> flipping around. <laughs> yep. oh. Well, talk about, I mean, because you played the new version of Age of Steam. I did, which obviously, same game. I mean, and Age of Steam is amazing. I mean, it is really right now, it has climbed boom, boom, boom. I mean, it is really up there right now. I really, really enjoy the puzzle of Age of Steam. And I think I really like it at its max player count. You know, at least four or five, I think you want to play that game with. I guess technically you can now play it with six, depending on certain maps or whatever. But um, I really just like that puzzle of, when should you bid for turn order and you know or what uh, different ability you should get and how you try to run your your trains which is basically your tracks to uh you know trying to optimize the best routes so that you you know obviously can get your income up i love how punishing it is where there's sometimes where you could get 
like a three movement on a cue, but maybe sometimes it's better just to get a one movement so you don't move up into that next bracket. So, so amazing. I, I really, really love the game. Now, that being said, I'm going to be honest with you. The new version, I mean, you know, the map looks like the map. I mean, there's not a lot more you can do there, but the boards, the way they did them, I wasn't all that impressed. They have three smaller boards. I mean, they can't be much more than maybe four by fours, maybe five by five grids or something, you know, size. And one has all the turn order stuff. And they did a nice job of how it kind of flows. And then it goes into where you build the track, which that was kind of, I mean, it's the same size as the others, which I thought that could have been, those two could have been a little bit smaller maybe, but the one where you have, where you have your income is so small that it's really hard to get, move your little tracker up on the income thing. And I was a little surprised that they didn't do something a little bit easier there because you are moving that around and it was many times, you know, it'd get bumped off or, you know, somebody would have to try to pick theirs up underneath and uh, just real, a little bit of a struggle there. And I was uh, surprised that that's what they decided to do with that. They I didn't make I, that bigger. I saw that once you had pointed that out and looking at that, it is each space is only about one disc wide. And when you're talking yeah. about a two to six player game, that gets precarious stacking those things and moving yeah. them all over. So I, I can understand what you're saying. The one thing I was really dismayed about is they actually put a really nice tile, like vertical tile holder in that insert because the insert itself is pretty nice. Yeah. But they put a really nice vertical insert in there and then face none of the tiles out hmm. which i thought was like a huge Another mistake i mean weird. you want to be able to see what the tiles look like as you take them out and sure yeah so i i was disappointed with that but overall i mean how many maps come with that if you got all them oh my gosh there's so yeah many maps. looks like a really so good deal great maps yeah i mean certainly not gonna stop me from playing it i mean it's still beautiful but yeah just i was a little surprised and the little poker chips they come with top notch oh yes that i forgot cool. about that yeah, oh yes. nice. great that was cool. Come with little bitty poker chips, which is nice for, you know, I mean, if you're traveling, you don't have to worry about bringing your poker chips because certainly you want to you, you want to use the poker chips in that game. But uh, yeah, it was uh, top notch. It was it was a great, great game. Richie, what have you been playing lately besides just watching Death Spirals of <laughs> Predaporter? Uh, yeah, we're going to stop talking about that yeah. now, okay? <laughs> Sorry. I, and actually, I, I was on a, a roll uh, oh, winning games. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You were crushing I got, me. Uh, I think I won like four straight, and then I went to uh, the game I ended up uh, playing the next night after that night was a Study in Emerald 2nd Edition because uh, we had our little monthly uh, game night with uh, Stefan and Kristen, and I won the first game there. So I won five games in a row, and wow. then I lost to Study in Emerald by one point. Oh, I don't so. think you've talked about that. I know it, it's Cthulhu and Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes together, right? Is the theme there, right? Uh, so it's based off of the short story or novel by Neil Gaiman. And it is, yeah, like I said, it's about uh, Cthulhu and Sherlock Holmes. In the first edition, I, I played the first edition way, way back like when it first came out. Uh, the story and the theme, are they come out a lot better in the, in the game. It, this is this has been streamlined quite a bit, and in this game, it's a deck builder where uh, you have two factions: the loyalists and the restorationists. The uh, basically the loyalists are trying to keep the status quo; they want Cthulhu in power, they want the old ones in power, and then the restorationists are trying to get people to wake up and uh, overthrow the old ones because I guess dynamite had just been invented. That's the kind of the overall you know, overarching theme. So in this game. 
you are kind of running around Europe, uh, essentially buying cards out of the uh, the different cities, which will give you additional powers. But kind of the neat thing in this is that one, it's hidden as far as what faction you're a part of, uh, whether you're a loyalist or a restorationist. But you will score points. In the basically, there's three different types of victory points. There's neutral victory points, which everyone scores, uh, then loyalist and restorationist points, which you will score during the game, because one of the in-game triggers is once someone scores 25 points, that will end the game. But at the end of the game, if you are a loyalist, you can only keep loyalist points. So you may try, because it's, it's not a cooperative game. At the end of the game, whoever has the most points will win. But you are trying to make sure that your teammates are not in dead last, because whoever... Whatever faction the person who in, who is in last place at the end of the game is a part of, everyone on that team loses five points, five victory points, which is it, which is big in this game because the the scoring is not that high. Okay. So and like I said, with this one, it's way more streamlined. There's less stuff going on, but I I think it overall I'm going to be able to get it to the table more often because of that. I remember the first time I played the first edition. There's just so much going on. There's so many rules that may come into play that won't necessarily come into play because you have a huge deck of cards that you're going to shuffle up and you're going to deal out to different cities that you're going to go through and explore and there are just some things that may come up that may never come up in a game like you may play the game six times and zombies don't come out but then the one time zombies come out now you have to read on how zombies work and it, and in the first edition it was it was not straightforward because they try to you know weave that theme in there a lot uh overall enjoyed it uh like I said, I lost by one point to Kristen, who was also a restorationist. And then uh, Jessica and Stefan were loyalists, and they got slaughtered. But solid game. It's, it's interesting. Uh, definitely one of Martin Wallace's weirder games as far as you know mechanisms in there and the overall theme. But I, I would say check it out if you're into Martin Wallace games. Well, not Clef. Don't, you don't check it out. But everyone else, check it out. <laughs> well, a couple of our friends on the Slack, you know, this is, this is their favorite game. I know uh, at least a couple of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they prefer first or second edition. Because, like I said, the you you'd lose a lot of the story and the theme, but it is streamlined, easier to get out, easier to play, you know, right away. Well, I saw uh, on the social medias that you were playing Glenmore Two. You spied with your little eye. That's right. Yes, <laughs> something that begins with the letter G. Uh, you were playing Glenmore Two, which Glenmore was one of our first games together what Clef. do you mean one of our first that was that our was the first, first game yeah Aww. that's right what a tender moment right now yeah okay oh <laughs> uh so so that was the first think? time you ever taught me a game <laughs> and then he didn't let me teach one how'd that go <laughs> <laughs> said all right i'm teaching games from now on all right <laughs> uh yeah no um friend of mine dan got uh glenmore too and he had not had a long time to read the rule book so when he kind of brought it over and I was like, yeah, put it down, let's play it. He's like, okay, well, I'm a little rough. So we kind of read the rule book as we went along. It's a fairly simple, straightforward game, or at least for the most part. I mean, you pick a tile and you you uh, lay a tile out there. For those of you who don't know, I mean, it's a little uh, rondelle track that if you are in last place, basically, or furthest back, you are going to get to take the next turn. So if somebody jumps and you, but you obviously can jump as far ahead as you want to to grab whatever tile you want. So if somebody jumps up and grabs a tile that's like three or four down the road, you could literally go and grab the next two or three tiles that are left there and put them into your play area, which is going to 
trigger you getting resources and different things like that. And pretty much at that point, it's kind of just a resource conversion game. Uh, the Really, the biggest thing I think that was different is it has this extra board. Well, there's I should say there's like, I don't know, 15 modules in this thing or whatever, but we just played the straight base to start with. But it had a board where if you took a person like William Wallace or Robert the Bruce, you know, you could put a little token or whatever on this chart and then you'd get some other benefits or something from it. So it was something a little bit different. Uh, the other thing, though, is in the game, besides you, like there's scoring rounds and you're trying to get more of different things than other people, like more whiskey barrels or more uh, people. And there's a lot of different things that you're doing. So you obviously want to get a lot of these things. But at the end of the game, every tile that you have more than the other player, and I'm talking strictly two players here, there's obviously more players, but strictly in just a two-player game, if like if I ended up with 15 tiles and the other player ended up with 20 tiles, they're going to lose three points for every tile that they have more in their play area than I did. So sometimes, you know, it's 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 good to stop and get every tile, but it also can be bad because, you know, that that's more tiles that you could have at the end of the game. Um, fun little game. I mean, it plays quick. I mean, we probably got it done in a half hour, 45 minutes, you know, first time. Now, granted, afterwards, uh, the great Dan Smith texted me and said, uh, by the way, I got six rules wrong, four major, and two minor. So, <laughs> <laughs> How many rules are in that rule book? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, we'll have to see exactly what happens with it. But but I kind of feel the same way I played it way back when, when me and you played it. It's okay. I mean, there's nothing grand about it. Um, possibly with this Glenmore too, maybe you start adding some of these more these modules and maybe it would get a little bit more interesting. But for the most part, it's it's one of those games where I'll play it, but I don't think I'm going to be seeking out my own copy. You know, and I originally sold my my original copy of Glenmore because it just didn't really uh, hit me. And back then, of course, it was uh, going for quite a bit of money. So I'm, I'm glad I got out of it at the time I did. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I would say about it. Good, but nothing that's like oh my goodness, spectacular to me. So you didn't play with the I think there's a boats manual or. or boats module on there or something no we didn't play with like i said no modules at all now i did notice as you kind of look through the rule book it tells you like most of the modules it'll be, it will say like this module will add five minutes to the game or this module will add 10 minutes to the game so they didn't look like they added a ton of time to the game um i'm still going to explore i've already said to dan i want him to bring this back to the table because i would for one thing i'd like to learn how to play it correctly the real rules yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> but i would also like to just see uh, well, I'd also like to see how it plays more players because me and you played it too, and then I played with Dan too. Maybe it's a much better game at more players because obviously you have a lot more, oh, crap, I better go get that tile now or else type of thing where you don't maybe have as much a worry in a, in a two-player game or at least you might have a, oh, well, that one's good, but that other one's just as good if they take that one type of thing where, crap, three people just took the three tiles that I wanted now. So, yeah, so I think it might be a little bit better in that sense. Did you roll the dice for a dummy player like you like you did in the first one? Yeah, well, well, we were supposed to. We forgot the entire first round. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did remember by the second round, and so yeah, we started to do that. But still, not still, you're not as worried about that with the dice. At least, it just never felt that tension or whatever. So yeah. Did you ever play Croftwagon at a higher player count than two? Oh yeah, I've played Croftwagon at all player counts. Uh, I enjoy Croftwagon. The only difference with Croftwagon is is you're really not. Uh, they're just, as you grab, go to a tile to do an action, you know, that action tile then just moves to the back of the line. Right, you're not you don't actually, actually taking the tile. You don't actually take it off yeah. the thing. Um, 
you know, I, I enjoyed Craftwagon. I think it's it's a fun little game. It's one of those that I think I, I've outplayed, and, you know, so it's kind of moved on for me. But I, I like that, you know, that feeling of, you know, whoever's in last, you can go and do more things. And I would say also with Craftwagon, you don't have that. If somebody jumps way ahead, you can go and take every single action in a two-player right. game up until then because there's no reason not to. Where in Glenmore, you definitely had to be like, well, I could go get that one that just produces me wood, but is it really going to help continue to do stuff for me where it could be hurtful for me at the end of the game? So, which I definitely liked that better. The added part in Glenmore, too, is the tile placement can be tricky, too, because you have to have them connected a certain way to move from yeah. tile to tile and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, my guess is that's probably one of the rules we got wrong, so I'm not sure exactly how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you were talking about adding time to a game. I want to tell you, I just recently got a shipment in of of some games, and one of them was Clank Legacy. So I was excited to play this because my family loves Clank. All right, all right. I'm actually excited to hear about this. I'm not just going to tune you out like I usually do. <laughs> okay. well, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks. So in Clank Legacy, we played our we played our first game, and it, it was it was interesting. You know, uh, of course, St- Stephanie, my wife, was like, "Wait, you're." There's, they're adding more rules to this. <laughs> it's like, I want to play a game I know. <laughs> but uh, we, So how does it start off? I mean, is it you still have your deck of cards? I mean, yes, or? you still have your deck of cards. The board is made, and I'm not going to give any major spoilers here. This is stuff that you could see if you if you sure, op- just, open yeah. the box. But if if that would bother you, you can you can skip ahead a little bit. Timestamp. 19 minutes and 42 seconds. That's totally arbitrary. Okay. Not even okay. close. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in in the beginning, the board is opened up. And rather than a dungeon, you have uh, above town, like a traveling map with towns on it. And then you go below the surface. And there's maybe a town or two, but then there's other stuff. And then just like you'd expect, there's places that, that trails kind of end and you probably will get stickered and that kind of stuff. There are cards that come out. Um, one of the things, and I haven't seen, I haven't played all the legacy games there are to play, but one of the things that they do have is a card porium, kind of like what Jamie did with Charterstone. Some of the some of the actual practical design elements that Jamie implemented in Charterstone, I think, show up here and, and are great, are welcome, because th- those are, I mean, not the gameplay, but you know, the actual implementing of the structure is there. And that's kind of interesting. The jury is, is out on this one because it's very interesting. It, it lends itself. Well, I think what it does and the way that it does the legacy elements, it lends itself really well. However, clank is kind of a race game, you know, I mean a little bit of one Mm -hmm. and it moves pretty quick, right? Well, our first game, and I imagine a lot of the other games, is supposed to play at least 10, I think. And you're adding rules pretty consistently during the game. So you're taking stickers out and putting them in the rule book and getting these cards out and, the, and this is a new thing and all that kind of stuff, right? Just like you'd think. But doing that, the act of doing that and then making sure everybody knows what that new thing is around the table and stuff, it slows it down. And Clank isn't typically like that you know clank is feels to me like chop 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 i did my thing okay what do you got with your with your cards that you've already drawn yep on your on your turn and so it changes things up a little bit i I didn't dislike it because there's the discovery aspect but it's different from pandemic where most of the rules stuff that you get is at the end of a 
of a session campaign. almost, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, these look like the rules session. for next time, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some of that, but there's a lot of in-the-game rules, and that mm. just kind of slows things down a little bit. Again, like I said, that doesn't kill it for me. It's just like, oh, this makes Ooh. this makes the game not the same clank that you know that we Ooh. were we were loving. Not uh, not that it's bad. I can't see right. Stephanie liking that though. Well, yeah, I mean, she <laughs> she that that I think that kind of bothered her, but she saw how much Finn was into it. And was like was really enjoying the the rules aspect and, and the and the different cards and stuff like that. And at first he was like, "This is horrible. Somebody else ripped this card up. I don't want to do it." <laughs> I was like, "Oh come on, stop it!" Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I, we're we're definitely gonna play more of it. It'll be so you just did the one. one yeah, session? we just did the one. But okay. like that that's I mean it was it was a longer affair. Hmm. I mean, there's a reason that that we only did. So the you've one. got Clank Legacy going on, and you're about to start Betrayal Legacy. We're not going to see him to play any more games anymore. No, I don't think <laughs> that's so. That's it. That that's, is that's it. His allotment. <laughs> I've got special. I've got special times to play all these, so I'll, all I'll right. be okay. No, I was hoping that that clank that the legacy would just be like a forty-five minute game that you would just knock out real quick, maybe knock out a couple sessions in a night and then not feel taxing. But it's, it doesn't sound like that. Yeah, it's certainly if you're playing with your family, I think they're likely only going to want to play one, you know, one of those and then move on to the next thing, and and so. If we play it, it's going to be one of those things that's probably going to be drawn out a little ways. You know what I mean? It's you're going to play it and then go a few weeks and then play it again, and right, which is which is fine. It's just know that going into it, you know. Yeah. Now, the one thing that that I question about the game, the price point, it's pretty hefty, wasn't it? I, th- I thought it was like a hundred, wasn't on, it? On miniature, that's the MSRP on miniature mm. market. I, I believe I paid something like seventy. Um, yeah, that's steep. It's, that is, it is steep. It is steep. Uh, and you're getting you're getting minis, but I already had picked up the minis at the at uh, it, they're different minis, I guess. But I picked up minis um, at Origins for it and some base cards. But so yeah, I mean, but there's as far as I can tell, there's a lot of stuff in that. It, my feeling on that game is if we get ten solid plays out of it and we enjoy it, uh, then to me, I'm okay with that. Absolutely, then it's worth it. But if you get two plays out of it and it sits on the shelf for the next year, that'll be that's a problem. where it's going to be tough. Yeah, yes, I agree. But I'll, I'll kind of keep people updated, I uh, think. I, I definitely, and we've all talked about this on the show, that I think Legacy is just not a format for me. I just have not found a Legacy game that it just doesn't do it for me. But I've always enjoyed, I, I've always found Clank to be one of the best deck builders out there. For a fun, like we were just saying, 45-minute, hey, let's get in, we have some fun, and we get out, and it's, it's enjoyable. But hearing this, that worries me that, you know, am I going to be playing an hour and a half to get that same thing? And then I don't know that 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 kind of worries me for me to to you know, I don't think I'm planning on starting it, but I, it certainly still kind of makes me even more not want to start it. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. If it, if it goes that long, you might just have to say, I mean, hey, I, Clank Legacy, you know, it might not be my bag. Right. But something that might be Richie's bag is his mailbag. <laughs> his mailbag. Richie, do you have anything in your mailbag? I do have something in the mailbag. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. And we got a couple 
uh, letters today in uh, the mailbag. So we're going right. to get full. through these kind of quick, okay? Hey. So uh, this one's from one of our favorite Canadians, Saskatoon Dave. Hey. Oh, Dave. Uh, so he's been exploring the What's Your Game titles, and so far he's played Madeira and Railroad Revolution, and he is curious as far as what our top What's Your Game game is. My favorite, Signore. Uh, mine is absolutely Madeira. And a pawn for me. Okay, what? All right, next question. All right. All right, and our next question is from Jamie Roof. I'm very glad I looked up the pronunciation of your last name, Jamie. And and his question is, I noticed that many of you and other people on the Slack channel are lucky enough to have spouses and partners that not only enjoy gaming, but seem to enjoy heavier games. Was it like that from the beginning, or did you have to slowly introduce them into the hobby with a lighter game and gradually move them towards heavier games? Do you have a spouse or partner who initially wasn't interested in board games at all and slowly came to enjoy them? If so, what games did you use to bring them to the dark side? And actually, Clef, I think you got a little uh, story about your wife here well, recently. I'll start off with the you know answering the first part of the question. Uh, I've actually been very lucky that my wife has been a gamer with me you know pretty much my whole time that I've been with her. Uh, she is actually the person who first got uh, me into Magic the Gathering because she had a cousin that had some artwork in it. And so we used to play Magic the Gathering all the time. And we've just kind of always kind of played games together. But I would say that normally my wife is more on the lighter side. And she's also one of those people that, for the most part, always wants to play a game over and over and over again, which if you guys obviously know me at all, that is not who I am. Uh, so, but we used to play, you know, like, so if you're, tr- I would think if you're trying to get your wife or husband, sorry, to whoever the, your partner is to get into gaming, uh, you know, I mean, we used to play a lot of stone age. Uh, we used to play a lot of Lords of Waterdeep. I mean, I think those are good starting points to bring in to, to kind of try to get you going towards maybe the heavier side. Uh, but over, I don't know, past couple of years, my wife and I have not gotten a chance to play a lot of games together. Now, part of that's my fault because I have a lot of people that I play games with. Uh, But this past weekend, she comes to me and she said, hey, I'd like to play some board games today. I was like, wow. So my friend Dan Smith was coming over and she's like, yeah, let's play some games. And so he brought a couple of games and a little bit of the lighter fare. We brought Arboretum. So we played a little Arboretum, which, by the way, she crushed us in. So, okay. Then we played a little Isle of Sky, you know, nice little light fister game, but fun little game. Uh, By the way, she crushed us in that also. So we got done and I was like, well, do you want to play something like Alhambra or, you know, something, you know, I was like, or maybe even Circadian's First Light, you know, something lighter. And she's like, oh, no, let's do something a little heavier. And I jokingly said, well, how about I teach you City of the Big Shoulders? And she said, okay. And I was, nice. that box was out <laughs> faster than you know, I could <laughs> shake a stick at. So she, uh, so we sat down and I taught her the rules to City of the Big Shoulders. Certainly, you know, during the game, I kind of, you know, did a lot of hand holding with her and showed her exactly, you know, here's what you want to be trying to do and here's how you're doing it. And uh, but she picked up very quickly and and understood the game. She won that too, but I'm going to give myself half credit for that because obviously I was, you know, helping her along. Hashtag good teacher. Yeah, sure. Okay, there we'll we'll take that. So that was that was it. That was the end of the night. Well, then yesterday uh, she calls me up on her lunch break and she said, 
hey, what are you doing on Thursday night? Because you guys are recording Wednesday, right? And I was like, yeah. She's what are you doing Thursday night? I said, I don't have any plans right now. She's like, can we play City of the Big Shoulders? Wow. Whoa. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So I thought that was awesome. I mean, once again, that just shows to me how good that game is and how, you know, universal that game can be. So anybody out there that is thinking about, well, maybe it's too heavy to teach to my significant other, hey, rest assured, it could happen. Jamie, I have no idea if I answered your question, but that was a fun story I wanted to tell. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. That's good. I think no matter who your spouse, your significant other is, you just you you have to listen to them. Honestly, you have to kind of be able to tell everybody. Everybody is going to be different. But I think, you know, like my wife likes to play uh, Agricola, but that's not a heavy. It's not a super heavy game. Pause. Uh, we have now less than two months till the end of the year. Have we completed the Agricola Challenge? It's scheduled. Oh it's scheduled. My God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. It'll happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm doubting it. It's in the bag. It'll I'm doubting it. It's in the bag. And we're about to hit holiday season. Look, yeah, I have I have like two weeks off over holiday season. Uh-huh. All right. So uh-huh. all right. It's, it's going to happen. But uh-huh. what, I, what I'm saying is the other night we played Ticket to Ride together. We played on one of the different maps. And, you know, that's a very light game. But we, you know, sometimes she's fried. She does. She works more hours in the week than I do. And plus she, you know, she does most of the cooking. I mean, we we share the the home duties, but, you know, she she's fried. I try to take as much off off of her plate as I can. But sometimes she just wants to hang out you know sometimes it's tv because she doesn't want to think too much so if we pick a board game then ticket to ride is is nice because we can talk and we can relax and that sort of thing so i think the biggest thing if you are hoping your partner gets into heavier games is just listen to them and when they want to play those lighter things or they want to play something that they've played for a long time listen to them and let them do that and eventually they'll probably you know they'll probably ask after a while you know that, because if you think about sometimes the way that you came into the hobby, you didn't jump, not everybody anyway, jumped straight into the heaviest games either. And granted, for most of us in the hobby who play a lot of games, we play more often than most of our significant others. So that time spent playing those games makes a difference as well. So I would just say, just do your best to to meet your significant other where they're at and try to find those experiences. What do you think, Richie? Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, for Jessica, when we, when we first got in the hobby, I mean, we got in together. So we started with Ticket to Ride, went to Castles of Burgundy. And I mean, she's grown up playing card games. So she's she likes playing games. And really, card games are kind of like her favorite thing to do. If she can play a trick-taking game, that's what she wants to do. But obviously, just with two of us around, it's it's tougher to do that. There are times like uh, this last weekend, I started teaching her Railways of Mexico. And then she just, her eyes started glazing because this was after a, a long day at work. Her eyes started glazing over and I was like, you know what? I also got in this game Medium. You know, I had just finished teaching the rules for Railways of Mexico, but I could just tell that she was just not going to be into it. So then I taught her Medium. She loved it and we played it. I mean, we probably played it longer than what one game of Railways of Mexico would, would have taken, but she's excited about playing it. And I mean, that's what I want. I want I want to be playing with someone that actually wants to play the game. So yeah, definitely don't push them too far because then they'll just back off most likely and just not play games with you. And she'll, she'll toss me a bone every once in a while and actually play a heavier game from time to time. But I try not to push it. I try to, you know, let her lead the way as far as that goes. So 
Uh, great question, Jamie. And he gave us a little plug on the Slack chat. So there are a lot of questions being thrown into the Slack chat, which is great. And if you want to join, go ahead, or if you want to join or send us an email for the mailbag, shoot that over to punchboardparadise at gmail.com. Well, I think, because I'm itching to talk about this new game from Capstone, so I think we should move on to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is designed by Karsten Lauber. It plays two to five players, about 20 minutes per player, and it is produced by Capstone Games. The theme of this game is this is set in London uh, between 1849 and 1851, leading up to the World's Fair. It is a dice worker placement game. It's going to last five rounds, and each round is going to have seven phases in it. Everyone will get their own player board. Then there's going to be eight location spots that will be in a central play area. There's also going to be a black market that players can send their assistance to for extra bonuses. And finally, a, a board that has a buzz track on it that also will show your income level and then where you're also going to keep track of your victory points. So real quick, the, the like I said, it's five rounds and each round consists of the five, seven phases. The first phase is where players are going to choose the pip value of their dice in secret. Once everybody has done this, they're going to reveal their dice, and then everybody has to pay $1, or I believe it's pound in the game, per dice pip. Then in phase two, players then in turn order were going to place their dice out one at a time onto these eight different locations. Each location will have a certain number of dice placement spots, each of them having a minimum pip value that the die must be to be placed there. Once all players have placed all of their dice, that's the end of phase two. You move on to phase three, which is now where you're going to resolve each of those locations in order from one to eight. In each location, the die with the highest pip value will choose the action first with the next highest and so on. If there's ever a tie for pip value, then the player with whose dice is the leftmost will get to go first. Now, not all locations will have the same number of spots that you get to take an action as there were for placing dice. So if you get locked out of a location, you sometimes will have that happen. You get, well, a dollar back. Each of those locations will give you some sort of an action, like gaining patents, gaining famous people cards, or gears or energy, or increasing your income, etc. Once each location has been resolved, phase three ends. Phase four, pretty simple. You have these people cards. If you have any, you got to pay wages to them, and then they can grant you some sort of bonus ability. Phase five is where you get to build your patents into prototypes. One of the really unique things in phase five is the, there's a bonus on the bottom that sometimes have positive and negatives. You can actually either target yourself with them or you can target another player with them. And then finally in phase six, each player will get their income based upon where they're at, but then your income will all reduce by three steps. Then everybody will get their phase six bonuses from tiles that they've put on their main player board and then also from spots they've sent their assistance on the black market. And finally, if you have any buzz tokens on the buzz track on a, one of these posters, you'll also gain those bonuses. And then phase seven is the cleanup and then the reset for the next round. Uh, so after five rounds, players will add up their victory points and the player with the most victory points is the winner. Clef, thanks for that great rules breakdown. So going with our usual format, 
How did you gentlemen feel about the art and components for this game? I thought they were really good. I, I really liked the cards, the, the artwork that was on the cards, and the iconography on there was actually pretty good overall. But I, I mean, I was surprised also with the just the size of the box. When I first just heard about the game, not, not really looking at any pictures, I almost thought it was going to be like a smaller like dice worker placement type game. But um, I mean, that's a huge box. You get a lot of components in there. All the components are solid. And like I said, the, the artwork is pretty good. Well, and when you say a huge box, it's like a standard, I don't know, Z-Man size box, a standard... Uh, Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe a little thicker, but close to that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Clef, what do you think? I really like the vibrant colors. I mean, it really does kind of pop out. So I think the artwork is is very solid. I know some people, in when I taught them the game, kind of didn't like the fact that the location boards were all separate for the components um, because there are multiple different like there's a board that will be two player on one side and then the other side might be three players and then you have a different board that was four and then the other side is five so there's multiple different boards Um, but some people are saying that they wish there was just two boards that were full-size boards because they thought it was just a little clunky or whatever it didn't bother me, but I mean, it was one thing that I, I did notice, especially when you're first playing, if you don't know kind of the flow of how it, to set it up, makes it a little bit more clunkier with that with those components. But overall, you know, just fine. I mean, no, no issues or whatever. Right. And well, and I think some of those locations have more than two sides to them, right? I mean, there's some of them. Do, they, do some of them scale or, or is yeah. it just two? Yeah. No, so no, you, no. I mean, you couldn't have like a, a double sided board. You would have to have two double-sided boards in the yeah, game to do yeah. it yeah so uh, so i, I think I that this was the yeah this was the yeah. most economical yeah, way absolutely. to do it um but i understand the first time set up and yeah. maybe even second time it's a little bit takes a little bit of. i of, am going to now talk about the greatest graphic design slash component that any board game has ever come up with are you guys ready for this? Okay, I'm no, ready. I showed it to you both. I mean, you. Oh you yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. No hyperbole here. here, of course. This is no. I am not. I am not joking. I mean, this. I don't understand why no one else has ever thought of this. So, name a game where you get when you cross a certain plateau, fifty points, hundred points, whatever the game is, and you get your little fifty point marker or hundred point marker. What do you do with that hundred point marker? You put it under your. Your marker and go around the board with okay, it. Okay, maybe you put it underneath your marker. Maybe or just you put, put it, it near you, or... or near you. Maybe you put it somewhere near the board, but yeah. you're like, I don't know. Do I really have it? You know, who knows? It's just there's never anywhere. They on the score tracker, right below where you would cross over to get to 50 points, they put five little spots where you can put up your little 50 point marker. Ingenious. I mean, I don't know. Whoever thought of that design. They should go make every single game that has a hundred point marker because it's just it's just so nice. It's just oh, here's where it goes. Everybody can very easily look up there and you see your marker is up there. It's not having to worry about trying to carry it along with your piece or whatever. I mean, most people right now are probably going, yeah, this is the stupidest thing you've ever talked about, Clef, and you've talked about some stupid stuff on this <laughs> show. But I'm not kidding you. I really, really like the effort that they put into that. I really thought. I mean, the score tracker itself is even very nice. It's very well laid out, has numbers on every spot. I hate games that only put it every five or whatever. It's just nice, and yet the, the every five is very well, it's like a little bit bigger, so it's real easy to count. I mean, they just did a very nice job, not only with that, but, you know, the iconography. I think you'd both agree that really after you kind of were taught the iconography, it comes to you pretty easy. It's not a hard game to 
to continue to have to look back at the rule book to understand the iconography. Right. And that's what I was going to say. I, I, while I uh, pr certainly appreciate the art design, I really like that. I think the iconography overall is really clear, uh, really clear what it's supposed to be. And once you pick it up, it's easy to internalize all that and know from a few instances, what you're doing and what, what the certain phases mean and, and what your bonuses are and that sort of thing. My only sticking point maybe would be the green banner. That's my only. Oh yeah, that's yeah. my only uh, hesitation there. But other than that, <laughs> I would say that. It's, why? Why do you have a hesitation with that, Chad? Uh, just, I mean, I guess I got confused. It looked slightly prophylactic-like, but uh, <laughs> other than that, PG thirteen. <laughs> other than that, it was it was it was great. So yeah, art and components. They, they got these for energy. They've got these nice little wooden light bulbs and wooden gears and stuff that are kind of fun yeah, to have mm -hmm. and hold and stuff like that. So overall, I agree with you guys. Good, good production. Now I can't remember because this is not as big a deal to me. Are the dice wooden or are they plastic? They are wooden. Okay. See, I just would never pay attention. Yeah, but, I, okay. I definitely notice, but, but they're, the colors would be easy to replace. So right. I'm always I'm fine with that. If you can throw wooden dice in there, just don't throw wacky colors at me that I got to track down. <laughs> Did you guys see actually about that truck that crashed with, with all I that chest? Oh that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. I love the article that I read where the the, the dice like basically made their the truck made its saving roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hit a couple of twenties in there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Well, moving along, let's talk about gameplay because uh, obviously it's a capstone game. We're going to talk about gameplay with this. Do we not talk about gameplay with other companies? Just capstone? <laughs> no, but that's a highlight of capstone. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Just messing with you, Chad. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I'd love to start it off on this. This one, I mean, I was anticipating it. But I think this one really surprised me. I mean, I think I thought, oh, okay, you know, Dice Wars Worker Placement Game, you know, I don't know, nothing, you know, was, was jumping out at me. And I think the first time I played it, I was really smitten with it. I mean, I love the fact that it's a Dice Worker Placement Game. You never roll your dice. In fact, you don't, it's not like you have to try to, you know, tell you to walk in them up to be in higher levels or anything. You get to pick whatever you want your dice to be, but... You've got to pay for every single one of those. And boy, the first round, you, you start the game off with 40 bucks. And the first round, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to make 17 or 18 or 19 total. You know, and you're like, this is cool. And then maybe the next round, you're like, yeah, you can do it again. And all of a sudden, you get to the third round and you start counting your money out. And you're like, oh, I got eight bucks. Crap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's loan time. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they have the great mechanism of you can take a loan at any time you want to. But it's not good to take loans in this game because you, you, no matter what, you're going to lose victory points for loans at the end of the game, even yeah. if you pay them off. It's just know? how much. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, that's cool. I love the the player board, how it had the spots where you put those different tiles that you get. So you're kind of, as you go along, you're building your board to give you different bonuses and stuff as the game goes on. I thought that was really cool. And the certainly the dice placement I thought was really well done too, because it's like I can go to a spot and I can put out a, you know, maybe I put out a two in a spot and then later on Chad might come and then put a five in that same spot. And then guess what? Even since I was there first, doesn't matter. Chad's die is the bigger die. So he gets to go take that action and that can really screw you up sometimes. I mean, you're really counting on something and there's certainly spots where you have to pay more money and just 
overall, everything about it, I thought really, you know, worked around really well. I mean, I really thought it was a really well done game. So, Richie, what did you think of it? Yeah, and I love the interaction in the game. I mean, just by placing those dice out there, you can really mess up someone's plan. So, like you were saying, where you may put out that lower die, but you may do that just because the next spot that's available, one will cost you $2 to put the die there, and then on top of it, they may have to spend another $2 to take the actual action. So then, is it really worth $4, which in this game is a lot of money? Especially, I mean, really, for me, it was round two. I would start looking at my dice, and I'm like, I I don't have any. (laughs) I can't afford to take four actions, it doesn't seem like. So, yeah, I, I really like that interaction there. You know, the kind of the pushing your luck, maybe throw out a couple low dice and try to hang on to your higher dice to hopefully get the action that you want to get for sure. The only thing that really stuck out to me that I was a little iffy on was the the inventors and the inventions or the blue the blueprints, kind of the randomness in that as far as because some of the inventors trigger off of certain blueprints, which will give you extra points, which is big because most of our games, the winner was within one or two points of someone else. And it just seemed a little random how those cards came out. And, you know, you may be picking up blueprints for a particular inventor and then you just never get it. That was my only kind of thing that stuck out to me that I I didn't, what I didn't particularly care for. Yeah, you get, so with that, you get, uh, I think there's five rounds. And so you you are going to be cycling through those cards. You're going to clean them off every round. But again, you, you won't see every card certainly and so you might miss out on some of those and the the bonus synergies between invention and inventor or luminary is four points standard so four points it it can make a difference the speaking of randomness really quick the other thing that i didn't care for and just didn't feel like it needed to be that way was the loans they're all face down and i think the the minus points numbers are when you take a loan, it's a certain number of minus points. You grab into that stack and it could be minus eight, minus nine, or minus 10. And so just by luck of the draw, you could, you could, you could be down more points. You have to pay off, uh, you have to pay off that loan and then it can be minus five. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of sense really for everything else being so open in the game. All of a sudden to have this kind of weird random, you know, ooh, I grabbed an eight as opposed to you grabbed a 10. Now, granted, I don't know if those three points make much of it because, boy, if you take too many loans in this game, you're probably done anyway. Yeah, so, that's yeah, true. Yeah. There was only yeah, so. one, there were there there was one guy that you could get, a personality that you can get that would be like, uh, you get money for every minus loan that you have on your board. So oh, yeah, I, suppose, I, had, I had him last uh, game that we played. Yeah, I suppose that that might make a little bit of a difference there but still like i said i didn't i didn't right. care for that random element overall now did you guys notice that the one you know if i had a kind of a wonderment in the game i did notice that sometimes you could get somebody who almost ran away with it early and it was hard to catch up to them um like cuz if you get some of those uh they play it in five rounds but the first round or the first two rounds are in 1849 and then the next two rounds are in 1850, and finally the last one's in 1851. A lot of the cards will score you more points when you build them early in, in 49. And I have noticed that if you grab a couple of early higher point values of the uh, the patents and turn them into the prototypes, some of those, you know, you can get 17, 22, you know, they can be some high point values. And if you don't get one of those early, I've found a couple of times, 
uh, especially maybe in the lower player counts, it seemed almost like it was hard for me to do anything that catch up in the later rounds because then they start, the points start to, most of the time, start to dwindle. There are some that are higher points later, but not nearly what the number that are higher points early. In one of the games I played, there was one that came out and I thought I had it, but somebody was really smart in the last round and had really, she had saved up a lot of her money. And so she just crushed us at everything she wanted to do that last turn because she could turn all her dice. She had the money to be able to turn all her dice where some of us were paying off a loan or two. And so she grabbed a card that I had tried to count on which was another one of those higher higher point cards right at the end and she she did make a sizable jump because i had kind of planned late game that i was going to make up with a lot of end objective stuff and those kinds of things and and then when she grabbed that card she kind of jumped ahead in a, in a pretty big way and I, like i said i think with some of the cards you can do that depending on how they come out when they come out that kind of thing uh, what you're saying though is you have to also be able to have those resources to 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 pay off that card too so then you can take that card but you have to be able to figure out pretty quickly to turn it on that same yeah, year that gives you it, a lot of the yeah, points if you want to get it done in that first year which is the first two rounds yeah for sure yeah i, don't, I mean i think i would have to play some more to, before i would say that there's a runaway problem, but I, I definitely see what you're saying. You can jump out to a big lead quickly in this game if things go your way. Right. Of course, that one game, the four-player game that we played, Richie, where you decided to try to have less dice. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great uh, strategy. <laughs> you jumped out to a really huge lead early, and then I think you finished in last. So, yeah. so I, mean, uh, 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 I was oh, one oh, point oh. away from last place. One point away from last point place. My bad. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't know. It just... Like I said, I've only gotten eight plays of it in so far. And like I said, I think that maybe is it more of the lower player count that I have kind of noticed that if, you know, but uh, I mean, I guess we can jump into player count. I don't know real quick here, uh, just to continue to talk about it. The game scales fairly well when it comes to the action spots out, because as we just said earlier in the components, you do have different boards where it starts to limit the number of places that you can put die. I will say that this game is okay at the two-player count and it's better at the three-player count but it really shines in the four and then the five-player count because that great interaction and that thought process when you're looking at everybody's dice and it's like ooh, i've got a six and no one else does what can i do to screw somebody else out of an action space um is kind of a fun thing to do where in the two-player you know i mean it just it it's not as big a deal and it didn't feel as tense i didn't i didn't feel like as when i played those the big like the four and five player game and honestly i don't feel like the four and five player game take that much more time for a euro game i mean i feel like it plays well at those uh, at speeds for those higher player counts yeah i will say I, i'm curious to know do you know if the the uh, five-player or four-player board with the inventions and the luminaries, do those have more card spots? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So that's an interesting thing because then you're going to cycle through. that. That That's helpful to see at that player count. Then you're going to cycle through more of those cards yeah. per turn and see more opportunities to create to the synergies. Pairing, yeah, and, once again, you're going to see less in the, in the yeah, with, with the fewer of the cards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, three and I, I played it at three and four. So the two and the three are on, this, are on the same side of the board, right? Uh, well, there are most certain ones that are just yeah. straight have the two and then, yeah, but for the most part, yeah. Yeah. So I think definitely three would be better than the two for sure, just because you're basically using the same boards for the most part, but you, it's going to be a little tighter. 
Um, and then I, I really enjoyed that four-player game, even though I was doing a wacky strategy and ended up almost in last place. But <laughs> <laughs> overall, you know, especially, although, have you had a game yet? Because in all of my games, usually only one person has gone and gotten a lot of dice, and that person has won. Whereas in this game, like when you start, it does not seem like you want more dice, but it, it actually really helps you to have just the one that you throw out there. And worst case scenario, you're going to get a buck back. And actually, that can be huge in this game to, to have an extra dollar. So I don't know. Have you had a game where more than one person was going after additional dice? Yeah, yes, I definitely have. I've had uh, where I think where players all ended up with five dice. I don't think anybody's gotten where up to the six dice where a couple people I should say have gotten up to six dice so I have and I do think that you well I think we made the comment that after you tried the you know ditch a die try to thing just doesn't work and it's as we described yeah you might only have like a one or a two but you can put that out there and it's almost like you get to pass to see what's everybody else do within the rest of their dice and then you get to come back and it's like oh I get to place this last die and really get to that spot that I want to go to. So I think that's where the more dice comes in. So if you get more people getting more dice, then you kind of lose that advantage because then everybody right. kind of has that. And so you're really not gaining that anymore. Well, and it's an extra action for maybe say you turn it at one pip. Now, you don't really necessarily get an extra dollar if you place it out there because you still have to pay at least one dollar to place it because you're paying for the pip. But you you will get an extra action. And if nobody else is doing that, there are spaces on the board where you don't have to pay anything. The actions aren't necessarily as great, but it's still a free action where you can place a one there and still get something out of it, a resource yeah. or whatever. Well, and especially locations seven and eight, you know, those both, you know, will have almost usually, they have the same number of spots you put your dice that they have actions. So if you drop your one in there, you're going to get something out of it. Right. You know? So yeah, so absolutely that's, those uh, that that works out well. Now, for some people, they may not like that type of this type of game because it can be kind of mean. I mean, you can really wait for somebody to go somewhere, and then if you have a die that is higher, you can go over there and steal those things away from them and literally knock them out of getting any action. You know, get the dollar back. Whoop de doo. You know, you don't want that. You know, you paid four dollars for this dice and you're getting one dollar back that's not a good investment and so it can be mean and so if i will caution people if you have somebody in your group that doesn't like it when you know that when you're mean or that you can screw them this is not going to be the game for you i'll tell you that much no especially with the cards where are the blueprints when you complete them and you can give them to someone which I'll, i mean most of the time you're going to be keeping them for yourself because you you'll get a good benefit but there are some where it's like you spend three dollars to get a point or two points and that's not a great conversion and if you throw that at someone where you see they only have a dollar you give that to that person and all of a sudden now they have to take a loan right to get to score two points but i mean they're, right. they're really and they may pull that negative 10 tile out of there right, right. and yeah. uh yeah that can be rough so yeah there it can go. be an extremely mean game yeah the the very first game i was playing i was winning it pretty easily but uh the probably the closest person to it to me was my son mason and all of a sudden one of the players just targeted Mason with like one of those things that kind of was a bad thing for him. And then the next person targeted Mason and then Mason then targeted them back and everything where everybody should have been targeting me because I was leading. And then it was just this bloodbath, which of course <laughs> I thought was really funny, but uh, yeah, so it, it can, you can really, 
If you watch, you can screw somebody with one of those patent cards when you target them, if they've got one of those negative $3 or something, because, oh boy, uh, you do not want to. Now, you don't want to take loans for the most part. Now, I have found that there are still occasions that it's not terrible to take loans because if you take them in the right spot, like if you're not working on filling up your board, and this is where, uh, for those who don't know, uh, a gentleman... Uh, Uva. Uh, Uva. Has anybody heard of that guy? Uva, Uva Rosenberg? I think so, yeah. Yeah. He actually was part of the development of this game. And one of the key things is you have a player board that has 10 spots on it that each of these spots say negative two victory points. And as the game goes on, you're trying to cover these up with these tiles that you get that kind of give you bonuses or instant bonuses or continuous bonuses. But this is also where you put your loan. So if you do take a loan and you end up paying it off, if you really think about it, it really only loses you three victory points at the end of the game because it was going to be negative two and now it's negative five. It's still not great, but it's certainly, I think there are points where taking a loan is not necessarily a terrible, terrible thing in this game. It all depends on what you do with that money at that point. Yeah. So, well, I mean, whenever you have that kind of dependency on player interaction, I think that heightens the replayability to a game. So in this game, I think that helps its its replayability when we talk about replayability. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And I've enjoyed every game that I've played. The setup is almost always going to be the same. You're going to see the same cards for the most part, uh, especially if you play at those higher player counts, you're going to actually cycle through them. So variability is... I would say average to maybe even below average because honestly, you're seeing the same stuff. But that interaction that, you know, if you can screw someone out of a spot, you can stick someone with a card, that's where that it really ramps up that replayability for sure. I would say that some of those tiles, not all those um, telescope tiles come out. So some of those bonus tiles, you can see those. I think that's where the, the biggest variability might be. But yeah, I'd say it's about average. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't. There's not a lot of difference in setup. And yeah, there's a lot of those uh, little telescope tiles. But heck, most of them do fairly similar to the same thing. They just may be in a different combination. So there's not a lot of different with, with the variability. I will say this is one spot that, you know, I sniff an expansion coming probably very soon. Definitely. I, I am surprised that there were not player powers in this game because it really feels like a game that was set up to have some, because actually there are, I believe it's eight different, yeah, there's eight different, no, 10 different player uh, boards, yeah, nations, you know, so the five yeah. of them on one side and five on the other. And I, at first, when I first started learning the game, I was like, oh, cool, you know, what kind of special abilities? And the only thing that is different on every single person's board, except for the flag of their country, is a different achievement of where they can get, and it's really some minor victory points. It's either one, four, or seven. So it's not even that huge in the game. And it's just a minor, minor little thing. Otherwise, the boards are all the same. I would like to see in the future them come out with some cool player powers that would go along with those boards. And I think that would help out a lot in the uh, the variability in the game. And I, and honestly, I, you know, we were talking about earlier with the components, not having a full board, that that also helps the possibility for an expansion where you can just replace boards that's and just stick true. them in there. So yep, that is true. actually maybe a good thing if, they're, if they are oh, planning on expanding it. Good point. Well, it, it'd be interesting to see if they do that. I, I think another good thing for for Crystal Palace is that there are a few different strategies that you can do in this game. And so 
I maybe that when they started to look at player powers, it was a lot to try to balance those. So it, it could be. I, I'm not sure, but sure. I I would say you know I I love that you have the strategy of the buzz track, for example. So going up there as high and as quickly as you can to get those bonuses every round to try to make those worth your while, or going and and getting the the kickoff powers from certain luminaries that are really going to give you a leg up on on some of the other players you know there there are a lot of different uh different aspects in the game sure yeah you know and obviously i'm not a board game designer but you know i'm just those are things that i would would look at and hope for i guess just for that variability sure but uh but replayability i think is at least so far for me has been very high i mean like i said i've gotten this to the table eight times already and in a short span in a short very very short span and I feel like I'd still, you know, I mean, we could say right now, hey, let's go play this. And I would be all over it. Um, I feel like it still has that great interaction, which is one of the biggest things I'm looking for right now in a game is that nice player interaction. And I feel like it's really cool in this game, getting to set your dice to whatever they are. But yet, you know, it's it's hard, especially as the rounds go on to do that because of the money that you have to pay. I really feel like the replayability of this game I mean, still, I feel like I've got lots and lots of plays left of this game before, you know, maybe I'm ready to put it on the shelf for good. So, yep. Richie, will you give our listeners our Punchboard Paradise rating scale before we give a final rating to this thing? Sure. So on Punchboard Paradise, we like to rate on a six-point scale, a one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that could possibly be in your top ten of all time. So let's start with Chad on this one. This was a tough one for me. Not... Uh, it's a tough one to, to kind of figure out where it sits. I really enjoy this game. Uh, the two big points that really set it apart for me are the setting your dice, okay, so and then having to pay for them. So often I would roll the dice and see what I got and then go, eh, I don't like that. And then I, <laughs> then I would have a good time just turning it to something I think else. that was everybody's first initial <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, I'll roll these. Oh, yeah, I got to set them. Yeah. Having to pay for your dice and th- that interesting decision at the beginning of every round. And then also seeing where you could put it and, and, you know, where do I go first based on what everybody else has. That is interesting. And then the last thing is the planning. So these actions resolve one through eight and you really have to think sometimes when can I get this thing when in the turn can I get this thing that is going to help me get that thing and sometimes you forget that you don't have the light bulb that you thought you were going to have to get this card or get this bonus or whatever and and you're you're swearing so those are those are the real high points of the game and, and sort of what seemed to set it apart for me this game sits somewhere between a four and a five. Very, very good game. I think I'm going to give it a really high four with the caveat that I could see it going to a five. Uh, but right now, I would, I, I'm not sure, you know, if it, if it would be, you know, best of, it, it'd be on my list for the end of the year, obviously. But if it sits in that really high best of the year list, I'm not sure yet. I'm just not sure. So right now, I'm going to give it a high four and say I really enjoy the game. That's my rating for, for Crystal Palace. What about you, Clef? Uh, This for me is a very solid game. I mean, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed every single one of my plays. I've enjoyed exploring it. Um, It surprised me, which is always a bonus uh, in this day and age where, I mean, you know, it just was was really good for what I thought it was going to be. I love the setting of the dice, as I just described. I love the player interaction of seeing where somebody's going to put a dice and seeing if you can basically, you know, outmaneuver them. 
Um, I do like the fact that there are some, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of different avenues to to get points in the game, but I certainly feel like there's a couple of different things that you can kind of work on. Some people like to fill up their board. You know, you work on filling up your board completely. Some people just go straight after the the patents, determine the prototypes. You know, some people ignore the people. I, I've noticed lots of different things uh, that you can do. So I, I like that. I already talked about how I really love I feel like they did a great job with the iconography and it's been a very easy game for me to teach which is a nice thing I mean that I'm not saying the teach is a short teach but it's at least feels like it's an easy game for people to pick up and understand I'm really right where Chad's at in this I this game is definitely somewhere between a four and a five I think easily this game will make my top 10 of the year I mean I don't think there's any question about that Oh, but it's really tough for me to say that this is like 100% a strong five. And I, I'm i surprised I, if you would have asked me this, you know, probably even earlier tonight before we started talking, I think I would have given it a five. But I'm going to give it a four. And I don't mean that to be a bad four. It's a very, very, very good four. I think if some of the things we talked about, you know, maybe some uh, player powers come along or some other different things kind of move around with it. I really could see easily this, this moving up to a five with no problem. But at this moment, I, I just feel like a four is where I'm going to land with this game. And believe me, that is not a knock on it. It's still a heck of a good game. And I would still 100% suggest people to go and play this. But I just it's just going to land in that four range for me. Uh, Richie, what do you think? Well, I'm going to be repeating a lot of what you guys said. So I, I love setting the dice. I love you know creating a little engine with your inventors and your blueprints and triggering those actions each round. Oh, we didn't even talk about, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, I think, with your rules overview, but the black market. One of my favorite things in this game is making sure Chad does not get any resources <laughs> from the black market. And I think I, I achieved that goal every game. <laughs> I, I want to tell you, I've played this game like four times now. I've, there's been one round in the, that's 20 rounds, if you're keeping track, that I actually got something from the damn black market. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the game is good. It's got great interaction, uh, has a lot of tense moments. Uh, but I'm kind of in the same boat where the I'm coming in at a four. And for me, it's the randomness of the cards, especially when you're at that three or even two player count where like our first game, I, I had built up a couple of patents that required one inventor to come out. And if that would have come out, I would have won the game, but didn't come out. And I came in second place. And that's just luck of the draw. There's nothing I could do about it. I just picked right. the wrong inventor. Right, and right. That, for me, brings it down to that four level. It is a strong game. It's a game that you are going to enjoy if you go out and try it. Um, but I just can't give it a five quite yet. But it could easily reach that through expansions if they change a couple of things for me. It, it could be back on a previous play. I mean, it could move up to a five, I think. Yeah, I think definitely. all three of us are saying that same thing. And it may just be one of those games over time it even could. But just, yeah, our initial... You know, at least my initial thought just, yeah, is at that four. So anyways, Chad, recap us all here. So for a recap, Punchboard Paradise as a whole gives Crystal Palace a very high four. Very high With four. potential to move. Yep. And speaking of Punchboard previous plays, we got one. Our Punchboard previous plays over a year ago, because we're a little bit behind, but over a year ago, we rated Coimbra by Flaminia Brazzini and 
Virginio Gili of the Italian contingent and uh, Eggert Spiel and Plan B Games. And we gave it, well, I should say I gave it a five. Uh, Clef, you gave it a four, yeah? I believe it was a four. And Richie? And I believe I was also at a four. Okay. So I'll start off and I'll just say, and this, I will be honest, this might have affected me today when we reviewed Crystal Palace, just because it's a dice placement game and I'm trying to trying to check myself and see where I'm at. And I was a little bit higher on Coimbra last year than I am this year. So I gave it a five. I've come down a little bit. It's a four for me because I... I will definitely play it. I still really enjoy the game. Feel like I can teach it pretty easily. It's just not a. It's just not a five. It's it's not it's not that high for me. It's just it's still a game I own. I'm glad I own. I will play gladly. I will tell you um, honestly, the expansion, the mini expansion with the dice tray and the colored dice was a pass for me. I got it, but I don't care for it and won't play with it anymore. That's Coimbra for me. Clefster, where are you at? Yeah, well, before I give mine, I, I want to read what uh, one of our guild members wrote about it. And this comes from Andy C, and C spelled like the big ocean thing that you swim in that has salt. Um, I love Lorenzo and Grand Austria and was super excited to get Coimbra. I really enjoy dice drafting and I love the look of Coimbra too. But I don't know what it was. I played it a few times and found it to be just fine. Not great. Not terrible. I ended up trading it away. I don't miss it. It would be a three out of six on the punch board scale. And Andy, I so agree with you. I feel the same exact way. I was super excited about Coimbra and love the look of it. The dynamic team of the Italians, and of course, I'm thinking great. But it just kind of the same feeling. It's just fine. Every time I get done playing Coimbra, I'm just like, okay, I played it. But I never am like, oh boy, I want to get back to playing it. Um, played it with the expansion that came out. Not a very good expansion. Didn't do anything for the game. In fact, not made it would be go down for me. So I am going to say, was it a four? I have gotten rid of this game. I have sold it. So it is definitely not a four. And I'm trying to decide, Richie, give me the exact rating of what the difference is between a two and a three. Well, a two would be more like if someone brought that up and suggested it, you would kind of push to go play something else. Where a three, fine, you'll play it. I, I'm sorry to say this. I, I got to be at a two. I legitimately, like if Chad came to me right now and said, hey, I want to play Coimbra tonight. I would legitimately say I've got to wash my hair. I just am not. I have no desire to play this game again. It just is not anywhere. I don't want to take the time. It just doesn't do anything for me. Unless it was so, my birthday. and uh, then Sure, okay. Yes, if it was your birthday, I'd oh, still play it. Root. Um, September 22nd. A root was a one. <laughs> well, Richie, Richie, what would you what would you give this game? Well, it, it is coming down for me because I also I traded my copy away uh, actually a few weeks ago uh, just because I realized uh, after we put up this in the guild, I realized I had not played it since then. It's been collecting dust on my shelf, and I was I was actually shocked because I I love the art, I love the designers, and in theory, I love the gameplay. Like I like what's going on in the game. I guess it seems it seems like you have to move on the map 
not all the tracks are equal as far as what you can go after. So you kind of end up going down the same path every game. It gets a little samey for me. Uh, so this is something where, um, I mean, I don't have much hair, but I wouldn't say that I, you know, that I have to wash my hair. I would, I would play the game if someone brought it out. So I'm at a three then. Uh, it is something that I don't need to own. If Chad throws it on the table, fine, I'll play it. I have no problem playing it. It's just it. it I don't know. It, it may even be just the hype because I remember I was very excited for that game when it came out, and it it just did not hit at the level that I wanted to hit. So I mean, that even may be maybe hurt it a little bit as well. So I'm coming in at a three. Well, why don't you tell us what some of our other our, our other guild members thought of of Coimbra? So Andy England uh, wrote, I first played Coimbra at ATBCon and really enjoyed it. The art and components are great, in my opinion. I liked it enough. I put it on my want list on BGG and got it in that year's BGG Secret Santa. I played it a couple more times since then, and I still enjoy it, but it's not one I seek to play all the time. If someone mentioned that they wanted to try it, I would happily put it on the table as I enjoy playing it. I think I'd be at a Punchboard Paradise rating of four currently on Coimbra. Okay, so there you heard it. When we look back at our previous plays, Punchboard Paradise says Coimbra is a four for Chad, a two for Clef, and a three for Richie. How about a little BGG 100 plus action? We haven't we haven't been there for a few episodes. Let's check that out. We are at 120 to 129 today. What do we got up first? Clank in space. Ace, 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 ace. All right. Never, I've never played it. Uh, me either. I've, I've played Clank, obviously, but no. Yep. Not I in have, space. I have not played in space as well. That makes the three of us. Why haven't you guys sought out Clank in space? I already had the, a couple of the expansions, and it. I, although I, I have heard that it Technically, like gamers think it's better. I just I could not see that much improvement to want to own both boxes. Here's my thought on it. If I want to play a gamer's game, I don't want to play Clank. I'm going to play something else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, you, I mean, that, and that's no offense to Clank. I, I no, love I Clank. Exactly I play it with my family. Being, right. But I just I, I don't think of Clank as like, gosh, I wish this were meteor and had right, 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 right. right. No, nope, absolutely. But if you play Clank at space, let us know how it is. All right. So 121 is Paths of Glory. I know Clef's played this like 20 times. Uh, it's 22. a really famous war game. <laughs> oh, man. One of his favorites. Yeah. When you uh, move the tank into the uh, Roman soldier. Oh, boy. It's a, that's the best thing to make. <laughs> All right. No? No. No. Nope. Uh, never played it. I don't know anything about it. It's a war game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I know nothing about it. Uh, that's a nope for me. This, we are off to a great start here, fellas. Oh boy! Well, we knew it was gonna get it was gonna get worse. Yeah, it's gonna get a little dicey along. as we yeah. move down. Chad, I I have not played it either. Not that I wouldn't play it. I think Richie, you and I could play it. Wow! You know, I I don't know if I would play. I've seen. You wouldn't the, pick this one. I just looking at the cover. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> just looking I wouldn't. at the cover. No, and it's from 1999. Nah, I'm good. Okay, just gonna pass Fair on enough. that completely. Just gonna okay, pass. Well, right. if somebody out there has played this and. Punch Punch World. Let us know what you think of it. Yeah. All right. Chastise us for not for not right. playing it. All right. 
right. Well, let's let's hope we don't go over three on nobody <laughs> playing the game here. Here is another war game. It's a light war game from Days of Wonder. Memoir forty four. Played it. I am going 0 for 3 currently. Although I would, I almost bought this. Richie. When I first got into the hobby, I almost bought it. Wow. But I, I did I just never did. I'll play it so. with you sometime. All right. I yeah, own, I would I definitely try this. Uh Finn and I have played it. And I have like the I have some of the expansions because the person that sold it to me had all the all the uh different expansions except the the new airborne one. And then I don't have the there's there's the special overlord where you can play like eight people, I think. I don't right, know right, right. That. It's a fun, light war game. Really, I mean, it's light, but it's, you know, it does what it sets out to do, I think. Makes it a very low barrier to ent- entry. There's some dice rolling, but the card play is, is interesting for that level of game. What did you think about it, Clef? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. I won't play it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's next? Next is Cosmic Encounter. Never played it. I have played this one. Yay! So that, I, I think I'm the only one, because I believe that i was supposed to teach you guys at some point yes you you were supposed to do that i I think you were smart to not to have i think in the right situation you could actually enjoy this clef because it are you sure i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you have to have you have to convince him that it's like a party game it is it's like a gamer's party game like if you if you got the right group together if you had you know dan and brent and i mean if you had it at a six-player game all right, I see your, I nope. see the look on your face. All right, <laughs> nope. yeah, he, he is really turning into a grumpy old man. Yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> let me let Get me that sh- off my lawn. <laughs> let me ask you though, this is what kept me from buying it when I heard some great things, and I was I was first getting into the hobby. I had heard that you can have like a six-player game or something like that, and somebody can get, by some confluence of events, can get a power or something to happen where it could ostensibly not get to your turn. And somebody win the game. Can that happen? Oh, yeah, definitely. That could definitely happen uh, in a six-player game. I, I have not seen it happen in any of the games that I've played, but I have heard of that happening. I would suggest uh, Vassal has where he runs through all the powers, and he has... Because you get... I mean, in every expansion, you get like 50 new powers. He gives a list of ones just to remove, just to take out, and that should solve your problem. And you're not going to miss them because you, you have like 200 different powers that you can go off of so that's what i would recommend and i and i did that and i have not had any issues like that okay all right well i i'm still up for playing it's not a game that i care to own but i'm still up for playing so sometime maybe an atb con late night or something maybe we'll yeah play. there we go yeah well i'll be playing a good game with uh with ben and you guys can do that all right ben was playing zombie side the other day yeah that's right a big I massive game of zombie side yeah Ben, you're you're scaring me. And he had but, a good time too. He said, yeah. You know, so there you go. But he promised me we're not playing that at ATV. <laughs> okay. It's, it's okay. Well, number one twenty four on our list next uh, from two thousand six. Another war game here. Combat Commander Europe. Oh, if it was Combat Commander Asia, I still wouldn't have played it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Richie, what do you have nothing. you heard about this? I, I have heard about it, but no, I have not. I have not played it. So here's the thing. Our uh, our one of our favorite podcasters, Sean Ramirez, uh, for Dukes of Dice, really, really, really likes Combat Commander Europe. It's one of his favorite games. And every time he talks about it, it makes me want to try it. I definitely want to give it a shot. So the the only thing that's maybe holding me back is A, Clef, and B, 
uh, <laughs> and, and B Clef. Yeah, B Clef. Um, but Get also, off my lawn. <laughs> but also just uh, the time investment. You know, I mean, it's we're strapped for time sometimes it is, as it is. So even getting 18xx games in or big games of arc rider those kinds of things can be challenging so that's the only thing that's keeping me away but i'd be interested yeah sean and i listen to Dukes the dice uh quite a bit and he's got a good pitch on it but I, he has not convinced me yet 125 this is near and far from the renaissance man ryan lockett have uh played it i, I say you used to own it didn't you i did used to own it yes so that says quite a bit right there i i had enough with above and below so I did not continue. Should have stopped with above and below for me. Just same game and just didn't quite hit enough buttons to make it. It was more, it's, I love his designs and I love the, you know, the world that he has created. But I think just once again, growing as a gamer, uh, there is just too many other games out there that are more what I want to play and to take that amount of time. And so Naren Farr just just doesn't quite uh, you know live up to what I'm looking for. I, personally, a great game. I mean, I think that for people who like those story-driven type of games, I think it works, but just, yeah, just not my cup of tea. Well, I would say it's probably moving in the wrong direction for you because really what it, what, it, what it was trying to be is more story-driven. Uh, from what I from what I know of it, I haven't played it, but it, it he tried to make a little bit more story than Above and Below had, as far as I know, and so. Which I mean, that's why I didn't like Above and Below because every time it was some fish person that was hitting an old person in the head and like either help or you don't help. Like it was so straightforward and it was so yeah, just I, choppy. I remember story. that Richie had a big problem with the ageism in the story. I mean, he was it, he was really <laughs> mad about that. I, this old man, yeah, this I, old he, woman. He kicked over the chair and left. <laughs> I remember that. That was well. So for me, I I, I like his I like his aesthetic. But honestly, just uh, the kind of games that Ryan designs, uh, they just I have tried multiples and it just doesn't seem like they're they're for me. Though I love his art style. So okay, one twenty six, fellas. I know it. It's a what? slam dunk. Ooh. Vinos Deluxe Edition. Oh, Lacerda, thank you for saving us on this top ten. Woo, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Even though you got rid of your Deluxe Edition. Well, that's because I didn't need the Deluxe Edition. The <laughs> What's Your Game Edition is amazing and looks beautiful. Well, yeah, the game is just amazing. It's my second favorite Lacerda. Yeah, I love, I love Vinos. I, I would have to say probably it's my second favorite as well but it's a it's a tight race it goes back and forth for me with lisboa i will say though that deluxe edition i just never i will never ever ever play the version without the bank because it just if i'm gonna play a game like that or i want to teach a game like that there's other games yeah that that are a lighter rule set that do other interesting economic things and, and, and there was nothing wrong with the 2016 version i mean you know we played that to start with and i mean it's it's fine, but I think that bank just makes it that tough decision. I mean, it is tough to be like, dang, I need money. Oh, I got to go waste an action to go to the bank to get money. Just makes it all that much tighter when you're literally taking like, what, eight actions in that game. Uh, I mean, there is not very many actions that you take. Uh, great game. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good one. Number 127 is Village from Inca and Marcus Brand. Yeah. Kill those meeples. Now, okay, I know the answer with Clef 
do you do you still own Village? I still own it. I just bought a nice insert this year. I don't know if I talked about this on the games that I hadn't played in over a year, but this was on that list or was on my my short list for that draft. And it's something that I've been trying to get to the table. And that was one of the games where I said that to Clef, and he's like, "Oh, I just played that last week." So they're like, "Oh, that's great." <laughs> <laughs> now, did will you will you like tell a story with Jessica when you're killing off your meeple, or does she care about that stuff? Does she enjoy that stuff? No, we just throw them in the book, and yeah. we're done with them. All right, <laughs> throw the book at them. Stuff. Yeah, no. okay. But cool game. I mean, it has an interesting mechanism of where you literally are trying to. Not trying to kill your meeples, but there are certain points where you want to kill them so that you get them into that village chronicle. Um, I personally really like it with the village in expansion for sure because it adds cards and and beer, and then. Uh, but I also like it with the port edition too. I mean, I I'll play it with all of them. If I'm teaching somebody new, I'll usually leave out the port part and just do just village in. Uh, but you know, also kind of depends on what the gamer, you know, their level of gaming is. Now, see, I, I like both expansions too, but if you made me pick one, I'd probably pick the port because I like what the, how it balances that traveling out a little bit better and makes it a little bit, I don't know, a, a little bit more viable. A little I don't more know. interesting yeah. too. Yeah. Just, yeah. A little yeah. bit more interesting in the game. Yeah. I wouldn't but disagree with that. I own both and, and like it with both. So, yeah, that's why it's on my yeah. list to get back to the table because I, I bought both expansions on clearance right. and. Haven't been able to play with him Richie, yet. Richie, I'm so. your man. We'll, we'll get that to the table. All right. You, you put it there. I love that game. So. Well, we've got a really recent one, probably the most recent one on this list maybe coming up, which is Endeavor Age of Sail. Oh, so wow. It's good to see it up this high. Nice. Oh, that is really nice. Yeah. So I think we've all had a chance to play this one. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, oh, Richie, no. you've never played Endeavor? No. We Cl- never did get this to the we table. We never got it to the table with me. No. <laughs> we got to we gotta do that. Whoa. My bad. I'd, okay. I'd, I'd like to exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd like okay. to have you have um, you play this one. I'd be interested in in seeing well, what you thought of it because I, I enjoyed it. When I get three new games a week, I mean, you gotta you gotta get in or you're out. That's, no, that's how it goes. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just got a box of games in today. I understand the problem. Yeah, and that's us. So, <laughs> um, but uh, very good game. I mean, it's a kind of a building placement game where then you start to get actions with the different buildings that you have, and you move up different tracks, and you're Getting cards off of different spots and kind of an area control, area control kind of out, element of yep. the board. Yeah, very, very interesting game. Uh, I'm interested to see what the expansion does for it, I think, on this one is what I'm really looking forward uh, to that. Uh, yep. I, I, I hope that I kind of hope it makes it a little bit more heavier maybe for me is what I'm kind of looking for. Because the base game, I think it's a solid game, might be just a little bit on the light side for what I what I like. I'd like to see something yeah, just a little bit more heavier, I think. Next up on the list, a little dice placement ditty, and our second most recent is Sagrada from 2017. Played it. I have played it. It's it's actually one of the games that Jessica really enjoys, especially if we're like on Saturday nights when we're watching college football. That's like a mindless game that we can just play while we're watching a game. You know, it doesn't take that much attention away, and you can just kind of easily play. And we picked up the expansion as well, which adds... Uh, adds a couple of different modules, but it adds player powers and different things like that. So, do you like the expansion? Are yeah, I would the- definitely recommend the expansion. Uh, if you if you own it, it it makes things a little bit more interesting because it can get samey over time for sure. Now, you and I both own role player with at least one of the expansions. What 
what makes you choose role? Does Jessica like role player, and what makes you choose Sagrada over role player, or vice versa? Uh, she does like role player. I mean, the reason that Sagrada comes out faster is one: the setup and teardown of that game is way easier than role player. Hmm. Uh, role player, I, it, it needs an insert for sure to keep those cards separated and be able to put them away quickly. Uh, but yeah, just the setup and teardown is fast in that game. You really don't, you really don't have to pay attention. And role player plays a little bit longer if I... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I haven't played it, but I, I really enjoy role player. My big thing is I don't think that getting Sagrada is going to... You know, the reason I would get that game is is for Steph, and there's other games that we probably play, so... Yeah, like I, Agricola. You, you, <laughs> you have some work to do, yep, so... I'm never going to happen. I'll get I it. am not even worried. <laughs> Slam dunk. <laughs> I don't even remember what I win, just the knowledge just that I gloating. was right. <laughs> just gloating and giving me a hard time. All right, well, here we go. That was our list from 120 to 129. How many on the list, gentlemen, have you played? It was a sad showing for me. Only four. I'm not much better. I'm at a five out of the ten. I've got four as well, which is disappointing. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen. I mean, just think when we're doing like 850 to 859. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, no. 15 uh, years from now. <laughs> I've, got, I've got four of these as well. So I think, hey, if you haven't joined our guild yet, you should join our guild at at uh, Board Game Geek, it's uh, Guild 3227, and you need to get on and you need to give us a hard time and tell us what we need to play, why we why we should play some of these, especially tell Clef why Combat Commander Europe is is important. Yeah, tell me that. We'll so, see. <laughs> I'm uh, guessing Vinos was uh, is everyone's favorite. 100% Hands down, I love that yep. game. Village is up there, but oh. not nearly what yeah. Vinos is. So Cosmic would probably be my second one, even okay. over Village. Okay. So. Yeah, second would be Village, and then Endeavor would be my third. Yeah, those are good choices. All right. Well, that does it. Another um, episode. So should we tell them the secret special guest we're going to have for next episode? No, we'll, we're gonna, we're gonna we'll hold, let them think about that. Hold off on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should we tell them what we're going to draft? Okay, yeah. We're going to draft. Richie, you tell them what we're going to draft. We're going to be drafting games rated below 1,000 on the BGG a list. 1,000? 1,000. Woo! We were going to do 500, but that was a little too easy. Yeah, so we're going to 1,000. 1,000. Wow. Talk about a no game left behind. There is, there's probably like four games after 1,000 that I played. And one of them's not Yahtzee, so oh, yeah. I'm I saw be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I saw three of your games down there, way low in the... Oh, believe me. You've got your, uh, you've you got got a your certain game him. all locked up that's in the thousand. <laughs> Richie and I will not be worrying about He's it. got two down there. Does he have two? Oh, yeah. I He's just got saw two down the there one. for sure. I, I, so, Chad, I don't think you'll have no problem with this. All right. <laughs> all, all right, well, everybody. Thanks a lot and have a great night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise.
Well, I feel like I'm just getting older and grumpier every day with could be. board games. That could be yeah, bad. I could see that. Yeah. Going to do the get off my lawn segment. Get off my lawn, you terrible board game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to entertain you guys. Thank you. 